ഓം നമോ ഭഗവതേ വാസുദേവായ should be allowed to remain in so-called material enjoyment 
while simultaneously advancing in knowledge to experience the misery of his false material happiness. Then, without help from others, one will find material enjoyment detestable. Those whose minds are changed by others do not become as renounced as those who have personal experience. <laughs> it is said that unless a woman becomes pregnant, she cannot understand the trouble of giving birth to a child. Bandia, I need a new one. Description of my glasses. Bandiaki Bujibe Prasava Vedana. The word Bandia means a sterile woman. Such a woman cannot give birth to a child. How then can she perceive the pain of delivery? According to the philosophy of Prajapati Daksha, a woman should first become pregnant and then experience the pain of childbirth. Then, if she is intelligent, she will not want to be pregnant again. <laughs> Actually, however, this is not a fact. <laughs> Sex enjoyment is so strong that a woman becomes pregnant and suffers at the time of childbirth, but she becomes pregnant again, despite her experience. According to Daksha's philosophy, one should become implicated in material enjoyment so that after experiencing the distress of such enjoyment, one will automatically renounce. Material nature, however, is so strong that although a man suffers at every step, he will not cease his attempts to enjoy. Kripyanti neha kripaya bahu dukabhaja. This is Prahlad Maharaj, right? Under the circumstances, unless one gets the association of a devotee like Narada Muni, or is servant in a disciplic succession, one's dormant spirit of renunciation cannot be awakened. It is not a fact that because material enjoyment involves so many painful conditions, one will automatically become detached. One needs the blessing of the devotees like Narada Muni. Then one can renounce his attachment to the material world. And here is the punchline. The young boys and girls of the Krishna consciousness movement have given up the spirit of material enjoyment, not because of practice, but by the mercy of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his servants. Sri Chaitanya Manu Vishnu Sabitam Jinabhutale Shayan Rupa Kadamayam 
looking at this verse and of course there's many points that can be made in relation to detachment and renunciation. As a matter of fact, you can pick up any chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam and it always takes you to understanding that it's all about renunciation and detachment. Practically speaking, from the very first opening verses all the way to the last verse of the 12th canto, we are constantly reminded that we are not here to stay. So I am not in India, I'm going to do last week. It's worth online streaming. Okay. So we have this constant reminder that this is prominent in everything that we read, in all our conversations, the theme of our associations, wherever we go and practice the five angas of bhakti, it always leads to reminding us that we are not in this world to stay, that we don't belong here, and that ultimately we have to practice detachment and renounce. The initial attraction to the process of Krishna consciousness is not really about it, it's about enjoying it. I mean, how many people come to Krishna consciousness because they really, really like the idea of rejecting everything? <laughs> no, people come because there's kirtan, there's prasharam, there's association, there's festivals, it's very appealing. And the beauty of Gaudiya Vaishnava philosophy is that from the moment that you step into the process of bhakti, you are already in the spiritual world. And this is really the demarcation between Gaudiya Vaishnavism and any other process of yoga. Is that when you begin to practice, you are in the spiritual world already, but you're not conscious of it. So, from the point of practicing to the point of being fully realized, there's quite a way to go. Jiva Goswami says, Hirahasya Haryabdasya Karmana Manasagira Nikalava Kavastasu Jivan Mukta Sauchate. Even if you are engaged in Krishna consciousness but you have a material consciousness, that you're not a pure devotee, you are considered to be liberated. But you're not aware of it. So the concept of liberation for a devotee is really to be engaged 24 hours a day in Krishna consciousness. But we're not going to understand and experience this unless we have gone through all the different levels of process of purification, which is enunciated by Rupa Goswami from Shraddha to Prema. 
And out of all the levels, the thickest, the longest, is anatta-nivreti. Removing unwanted material desires and unwanted material attachment. This is the biggest challenge. This is the hardest work. So, one thing that struck me, especially with the last line of this report, where Prabhupada says, young boys and young girls of the Krishna consciousness movement have given up the spirit of material enjoyment, not because of practice, but because of the mercy of Lord Chaitanya. So if you look up the chronology of how Prabhupada was working in the 70s, up to 1973, 74, he worked on the first, second, and third canto. Then he stopped and he did the Chaitanya Charitamrita in 1974. After that, he went back to the Bhagavatam and he did the fourth, fifth canto, sixth canto, etc. Now this is the sixth canto. This is the Prophet's storyboard. This is 1975-1976. The devotees at that time were very, very young in Krishna consciousness. So when Prabhupada says, not by practice, it means that they were only practicing for a very short time. And when you look at the way Srila Prabhupada established his movement, practically speaking, everyone took some else. Men, women, and children. Everyone joined and became a sannyasi full-time. In other words, just 24 hours a day service. A little bit of sadhana and a lot of service. So this was Srila Prabhupada's mercy. He gave that sukriti to his followers. He allowed them to do so much in such a short time so that he could establish this movement. I want to talk about this a little bit later. I want to continue going through the fact that detachment and renunciation is the key element that we have to understand to be able to relish the 10th canto. We cannot enter the spirit of Krishna's Vrindavan pastime or his Mathura pastime, the Dwarka pastime, unless we are completely free from material desires. It's not going to work. This Samvit Shakti, that uh, energy, powerful energy of transcendental knowledge that enters the heart and makes us realize that we are actually eternal servant of Krishna, not just any Krishna, not just anywhere in the spiritual world, but Braj Krishna, the Krishna that we want to serve in Vrindavan. In order to get to that, we have to remove everything that's on the way, which is a distraction, or which is pulling us aside from this focus. So that's what the Srimad Bhagavatam does. Every story that you pick up, it always ends up with detachment and renunciation. <coughs> now, in the history of Vedic knowledge, of course, you know, when Krishna tells Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita, What's the verse? Tregunya vishaya veda nishtregunya bhavarguna nirbhambo nirbhushakma stor nirgogakshama atmana. The Vedas mostly deal with three modes of material nature. So he said, rise above 
right? Rise above the mode and be established in the self. Krishna is referring here to Upasana Kanda, section of the Vedas, that tiny little portion that deals with pure devotional service. And how does Krishna end the Bhagavad Gita? What's the name of the last chapter? Perfection of renunciation. And what's the renunciation? Ultimately. And this is something which is quite misunderstood. I was looking at some of the devotees who have been lecturing on this chapter before. And someone made a statement that he said, sometimes the households, they don't understand the objective of the sadhus when they come to their home to preach to them. I'd like to put it the other way around. I think sometimes the sadhus don't understand the purpose of the households. And it, there's, my observation is that it's, it is very much misunderstood what renunciation is and what detachment is. Even though it is clearly explained by Rupa Goswami when he says, Nirbanda Krishna Sambande. Yukta Vairagya Puchate. Yukta Vairagya. Nirbanda detachment Krishna Sambande attachment. Last night we were discussing with a PhD couple, Chinese, while studying here in Melbourne. And they were asking questions about Buddhism. Because Chinese oftentimes are attached to Buddhism. So what's the difference between Krishna consciousness and Buddhism? So we explained to them that there is also detachment in Buddhism, but that detachment is all about me, me, me. My freedom, my relief from suffering, my liberation, that's all it is. It's all about me, me, me. Krishna consciousness, it's not about you. It's only about Krishna. And that is the real spirit of renunciation. Therefore, Bhakti Vinodhaku says, Grihe tako, vanitako, sadahari vanitako. It doesn't matter whether you wear coppins and live under a tree, or you live in a palace. The real business is to always chant the holy name of Krishna. That is proper detachment. Not the external appearance of wearing a certain robe and looking in a certain way and having a certain ashram. But internally there's so much work to be done on the level of the purification of the heart. That's why in Kali Yuga the majority people are householders and the minority are renunciants because people are just not ready to go through this. Now the interesting thing is when you start looking at how renunciation and detachment <coughs> operated during the time of Lord Chaitanya. Practically speaking, you can say 90% if not even more of Lord Chaitanya's associates were all householders, including Lord Vityananda, Sabhamabhattacharya, Ramananda Roy. They were all family men. They had children, they had assets, and yet 
they were pure devotees of Krishna. And yet, Lord Chaitanya wanted their association. So, we're reading at the moment in our series of lectures to the Chinese Yatra, the pastime of Raghunath Das Goswami. And it's very interesting how at different stages, Raghunath Das Goswami went from being the son of a multi-millionaire to being a renunciant, which is described as his renunciation, where like lying on the stone. You couldn't get a more austere person than Raghunath Das Goswami. But is it an example that we should follow? Did Raghunath Das Goswami enter this kind of renunciation to give an example that everybody should do what I'm doing? No. And if you look at every one of the six Goswamis, each one of them came from a very high class family, very educated, and very wealthy, and very influential. But they were so, their detachment from the world was purely because of attachment to Krishna. And that's what Lord Chaitanya expected from them. You have to show the example of how to be attached to Krishna, not how to be detached from the world. Once a devotee asked Sri Prabhupada, how do I know I'm making spiritual advancement? He said, well, the more you're attached to Krishna, the less you have this taste for material enjoyment. In other words, you don't concentrate on always, I've got to control my senses, I've got to control my mind, I've got to control my body. No. You serve Krishna, and then everything else is naturally controlled. And this is something very important to understand. That's what the yogis do. Physically, emotionally, they try to control everything so they can achieve a result where they can get liberation. But that liberation means to take breath again. Whereas the devotees, when they engage in devotional service, the credit is eternal. And it doesn't matter how long it's going to take, ultimately, they will reach the ultimate goal. So, <clears throat> uh, Savavatacharya glorified Lord Chaitanya when he said, Vairagya Vidya Nidja Bhakti Yoga Shiksha Kramaitam Purusham Purana Sri Krishna Chaitanya Sharira Dhari Kripam the realization of Savavatacharya was that Lord Chaitanya was not just a young, inexperienced sannyasi. He came to give knowledge and detachment. But that knowledge and detachment is directly related to devotional service. So that leads to something which is very important that Mother Devauti says in the third canto. I remember this is a verse I memorized when I was here in Melbourne. Dehayat Kamadhanayat I got holes. Navira Yaga Kalpate Natyata Parasevaya Jivanakuisa. She says any activities that you perform must lead to a religious life. And when she says religious life, 
she refers to Dharma, Atta, Kama, Moksha. That religious life must lead to renunciation. And that renunciation must lead to devotional service. If it doesn't lead to devotional service, Jivan, Api, Mrityo, Isa. You are breathing, but you're dead. <laughs> you're just you're flapping on the deck, you know. You're still alive, but nothing is going on. So all activities must lead to piety, in other words. Piety must lead to detachment. But that detachment, again, Nirbandha, Krishna, Sambandha, Yuktamvera, Gamuchata, it must lead to attachment to Krishna. To have this desire, this hankering. So, Prabhupada, practically speaking, dedicated this purport to women who experience childbirth. Men have no idea what this is all about. Those who have children will know what it's about. Recently, at the, I went to the Mayapur hospital because I was in absolute agony with kidney stones. Anyone of you ever had kidney stones? Yes? Please, don't have kidney stones. <laughs> I mean, it is literally near death. Kidney stones and uh, what's it called? You know when you have half of your body? Huh? No, no, no. No, no. Shingles. Yes. Kidney stones and shingles. Don't go down that path. And so I told the doctor, I said, you got to do something, you got to do something. He said, you got kidney stones? Have you ever heard of childbirth? <laughs> and he is a male doctor, you know. He said, you have to understand what childbirth is all about. And yet Prabhupada says, even though the woman goes through so much pain, there is this instant forgetfulness. Even the pain, Krishna is pushing us to forget. Why is that? Because Krishna has the karma within the heart. He knows exactly. He's got the whole list of all our material attachments. Every single one of them are listed. And if we, are, if we have integrity as an individual, if we are honest with ourselves, we know exactly where our weaknesses are. We know exactly where our attachments are. We know exactly what it takes to get rid of them. And yet, we just let them be there. So, we forget that it was a painful experience. We forget the suffering. We forget the misery. We forget being depressed. We forget being let down. We forget being abused. And we think there is another chance. We can be happy again. It can happen all over again. Like all the whole world with COVID. Yeah, let's do it again. Finally. <laughs> and then again. Boom. Another virus. Another something. It, it just, that's the nature of the material world. And that's the lesson we need to learn. This is not our home. And if we try to make ourselves comfortable, we will keep forgetting all the time. 
So then Prabhupada gives the key remedy. He says, you need the association of a pure devotee. Brahmanda, Brahmite, Konya, Bhagavandri, Guru, Krishna, Prasadipai, Bhakti, Latadi. The pure devotee, he doesn't plant pure bhakti in the heart, it's already there. Nitya, Siddha, Krishna, Prem, Sadakabhuna. It's already there, it's about inherent part of the spiritual, to be a pure devotee of Krishna. He plants that seed of Shraddha. And if you look at the writings of Madhurya Kadambini from Vishwana Chakravati Thakur, from the very beginning of Krishna consciousness all the way to experiencing Rati, Bhava, Prema, there's always two things there. One is Sadhusanga and one is Shraddha. Always, side by side. And if we keep close to these two things, regardless of all the impediments, regardless of all the challenges, we get through it. If we don't get distracted, if we don't look at our phone when we chant our rounds, the biggest disease of Iskand Sadhana Look at your phone during Java and you're gone. That's it. You're finished. So we have to be, you know, we didn't have smartphones in the early days. The bodies were chanting rounds. But now, you know, ooh, I gotta check what's going on here. And the next thing you know, the big bag is put down, and we start doing other things, and it's over. And when you get into that habit, because it's very addictive, and you realize that your chanting is actually lousy chanting. It's not quality chanting. You don't spend two hours begging. You don't spend, you don't spend two hours you know, praying to Krishna, to Nam Prabhu, please give me a taste so that I can relish your holy name. Bhakti Vinotaku in Hainam Chitamani, he defines very, very clearly in every minor details what is expected out of the chanting. And if we don't chant attentively, we will never make progress in spiritual life. It doesn't matter what else we do. It boils down always to quality chanting, along with association with the devotees. So, we have to understand again this point of renunciation. We try to be inspired by the renunciation of those who are very detached from material life. Our role models are the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. But if you look at each one of them, how they came to actually come to that stage where they were fully renounced. Rupa and Sanatana. They were already attached to the process of devotional service. I, I noticed recently that the very first book that Rupa Goswami wrote, which is on Sabuta, it's just a small book with a hundred verses, which is very rasic in nature. How did he sign the book? Dabir Kash. Dedicated to Shakyamuni. Wow. He was not even in the Hare Krishna movement then. He was already writing rasic literature. 
So their attachment already, they were studying the Bhagavatam from childhood. They were already strongly attached to the process. But Lord Chaitanya did not allow them to come close until it was the right time. And they were writing letters to Lord Chaitanya and he would not reply. And they wanted, why is he not replying our letters? And then later on he told them and he gave the analogy. He said, when a woman has a lover, a married woman has a lover, what will, how will she behave? She'll dress nicely, she'll have nice makeup, she'll cook first class prashana, the kids will be very well taken care of, the house will be clean, but the husband will be very satisfied. But internally, she can't wait to be with the lover. So, in the same way, Lord Chaitanya wanted them to internally cultivate pure bhakti and be patient. And once they met Lord Chaitanya in one Kelly, that's it. The deal was done. Now we are only with you. But it was not just a done deal. They had to resign from their position. And we know Sanatana Goswami went to jail. He had to escape. When the son of Tapan Mishra in Benares, who became later on Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, he wanted to, re to renounce. Lord Chaitanya, you wait, you take care of your parents, you wait until they pass away, then you go to Vrindavan. He gave the exact same instruction to Gopal Bhatta Goswami. You wait until your parents have passed away, then you go to Vrindavan. And of course, the story of Raghunath Das Goswami, who was considered to be a thief, right? Let me tell us, you're a thief. Why is he a thief? Because you want to bypass my mercy, you want to go to Lord Chaitanya directly. You're stealing the mercy. So first, you've got to be punished. You've got to feed all the Vaishnavas. Through me, you can access Lord Chaitanya. But originally, Lord Chaitanya says, go home. Don't be a pretender. What is this artificial renunciation? You're not ready for this. Go home. Take care of your family. But internally, Krishna consciousness is all internal. Internally cultivate this pure bhakti. And when the time is right, I'll give the signal when you can come. Now, interestingly enough, when Raghunath Das Goswami gets to Puri and he sees Lord Chaitanya, there's something which is very subtle that takes place in their exchanges. And that exchange became the study of the Shastra Advisory Committee, SAC. Right? When Lord Chaitanya tells Raghunath, first he says, my family and your family are close to each other. And this is very much the case in Vedic culture and in villages, just like Lord Chaitanya called the Chankazi my uncle. We live in the same town, we are one family. He said the same thing, Sanatana Goswami said the same thing to the jailkeeper and, to the, and to, the, to the Muslim ruler. The Muslim ruler calls him my brother. So it's the tradition that we are one, we are the same village, even if we don't have the same religion, we are the same family. You're my uncle and your son. So Lord Chaitanya began this jokingly using some sarcasm. 
But this sarcasm is not understood very nicely. He says, actually, your parents are, at best, they are Vaishnava prior, which means maybe they are Vaishnavas. <laughs> they are not fully Vaishnavas. And then he goes further. He said, their family life is like a dark hole where people pass through and urine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the devotees, they go into this, oh, you know, all these contradiction statements. We have to clarify this. Just like there's all this so-called controversial statement that Prabhupada makes that everybody wants to change and everybody wants to purport. You want my opinion? Don't change a single comma, don't change a period, don't change a single word. Why is that? You want to change things according to the situation today. You don't know what's going to happen in 200 years from now. So in 200 years, you've got to change everything again. You've got to again interpret. Krishna wrote these books, Prabhupada says. Prabhupada's reading his own Bhagavad He says, nobody read their own books. I read my books because I didn't write them. I want to hear from Krishna. <laughs> nobody reads their own books. You write a book, finish, publish, you're done. The prophet read his own books on a regular basis. So whatever prophet says, and not only that, prophet purports what the Shastra says. So Lord Chaitanya is speaking about how he sees household life. That is Shruti. And what the pure devotee says becomes Smriti. It becomes Shastra. It is Shastra. So if you don't understand it, it's because you don't see it the way it is. But Lord Chaitanya was kind of, and he says, sorry, he says, sorry if I'm joking about it. You know, like sometimes we may say something quite strong to somebody out of familiarity, and he say, you know, I'm just joking. But others will not understand, they will think it's shocking. How can you describe family life like this? But <laughs> all throughout the Bhagavatam, household life is described like this. Who is shocked? So this renunciation that Lord Chaitanya expected that a Raghunadas Goswami was a renunciation that would give birth to the whole world to have access to pure devotional service. The work of the Goswamis is done to benefit the whole world. When they began to write their first books, and as a matter of fact, I think none of their books are signed author Sanatan Goswami, author Rupa Goswami. They didn't sign their books. They wrote them for their own purification and for the benefit of the whole world. That is Yukta Deva That is proper renunciation. So, we have the process of Krishna consciousness, we have the process of Sadhana Bhakti, but we have to keep the goal, not to misunderstand what renunciation and detachment is. For example, in our service in mainland China, our Chinese Yatra is practically speaking 85% women, 15% men. Why is that? Because in China, men understand that unless I make a lot of money, 
I'd smoke a lot of cigarettes and I'd drink a lot of alcohol. I'm not a man. <laughs> and my wife is expecting me to have a lot of money, even though she makes more money than me. So the men always have to value themselves externally. And the women, as we know, they're always more spiritually inclined and more religious. But it's not because they are religiously inclined that they all join Krishna consciousness. Because what happens oftentimes is, now I've met the devotees, they all talk to me about detachment, they all tell me my family is, my family are all karmis, meditators, and I don't want to know them anymore. So imagine, they live with their families because we have no temple, no ashram, no farm, no guruku. There is nothing. It's all apartment, spiritual life. So you live with your family. They eat meat. They watch TV. They're on their phone all the time. They drink. They smoke. And you live in that environment. On Saturday, you go and spend the afternoon with the devotees. <laughs> and then you get, you know, a food here full of, you know, the guru is coming and we're going to go to India and Parikram and Prashadam and chanting and dancing and the deities and it's like, wow, you know, I got relief. They go home. <coughs> they go back to the same environment and they're thinking, I'm going crazy. I don't want to know about these people. They're demons. <laughs> hey, I thought we were married. We, you fell in love with me. We were a happy couple. What happened to you? Now we have to separate the pots. Now you're bowing down in front of that picture. You're trying to get your kid to become a vegetarian. What, what happened? Who are you hanging out with? They just don't understand. And it's not good. It's just not good. You met a man. You fell in love, you got married, you got pregnant, you took a mortgage, you bought an apartment, you have a job, and suddenly because you meet the devotees, you got to drop everything? No. No. You go home. You cultivate bhakti. You make them supportive. You make them appreciating what you're doing. And what we've discovered with Krishna Premi Mataji is that if you explain to people what bhakti yoga is all about, they'll go, thank you, thank you. I thought my wife fell into a dangerous demoniac cult. But you know, if she wants to offer her food, what's the big deal? Then suddenly the husband brings flowers at home. And then they say, look darling, I bought you a new pot so you can cook your food. And the family suddenly becomes harmonious again. And what happened is, the family began to be supportive, appreciative, like we have this lady, you know, 16 rounds, Prabhupada's books, her husband is a, a math teacher at university, hardcore. And he said to his wife, you're going completely crazy, I don't want to know about you anymore. But she keeps chanting all the time, and he, she, he sees that she's steady. And then, short time ago, she says, guess what? I saw my husband chanting in his bedroom one day. 
But he wasn't chanting because he's attached to the holy name, because it was exam time. <laughs> At least he went to Krishna for something, you know? So, there's another incident that really marked me is one Maharaji, she came online and she says, please tell me what I should do. You know, she has a husband, she has a daughter, the in-laws, she has a job, she's a former police officer or something. So I'm looking at her on the screen and I say, I'm thinking, you've got to be careful here. Don't go down the path of they're all demons, quit everything, pack your bag, because there's nowhere to go anyway. I said, your priority is to be a good wife, to be a good mother, and then to have a decent job so you can contribute to the family. In your spare time, you dive into your sadhana. You're chanting, offer your food to Krishna, read Prabhupada's books, and stay in touch with the devotees. Now, listen to this. Suddenly, the phone turns to her right side. Who is there? Her husband. So, you know, in retrospect, I was thinking, imagine if she would have said, stay home, chant 32 rounds, offer your food, don't worry about what they say, don't worry, just read Prabhupada's books. <laughs> but I started the other way around. So the husband turns to me and he goes, Sir, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, I really appreciate the fact that you're pushing my wife in the right direction. And he said, you know, I'm not there yet. She's more advanced. But maybe in my old age, I'll follow you. <laughs> you know, we, when Lord Chaitanya says every town and village, he didn't say every ashram. He said every town and village means household life. And Krishna consciousness has to be established in the household. And it's not like within the household, suddenly the husband begin to behave like a sannyasi <laughs> and looks down on the wife because she supposedly had material attachment when possibly he's got more attachment than she does. And this is a very, very wrong concept that we have to be very careful about. When you have a family unit, it's everybody becomes Krishna conscious at home. It's the responsibility, especially of the father, the husband, to make sure that everybody in the family follows the process of Krishna consciousness. And if you look at the position of the wife in Vedic culture, she is the one who turns the home into Vaikuntha and make it easier for the husband to be the guru of the family. But not that you go to the temple or you go to this Swami's program and he's preaching a storm, and you come home and you don't want to talk to your wife, or she puts her hand on your shoulder and says, don't touch me. <laughs> Why? <coughs> Maya. We have to be detached from now on. Really? What class have you been listening to? <laughs> right? 
You go on Parikram, Radhe, Radhe, and you think, wow, I could live with a dump shower. I could, I could really roll in the dust every day. Even though you still have a mortgage, you've got two cars, but you're thinking, wow, this is where I want to be. Yes, this is where you want to be, but not now. you got to go through the whole thing, and even at the stage of Nishta, you still have natural desires. And you still don't understand that every time you enjoy, it's painful, but you think, next time I'll enjoy better. That's the purport. So, there are symptoms. As you get older in Krishna consciousness, there must be symptoms of attachment to Krishna. What are the symptoms? Where Prabhupada said you should give up sleeping. Tough one. But you reduce, because that's just like, for example, in Mayapur, the body is wise very early in the morning because it's easy. I mean, you know, I'm in bed at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning and I can hear the bodies down the road chanting japa or doing bhajan. And it's just so easy to wake up. Now, as you get older, you don't have to force yourself. You may not need to sleep that much. But the real symptoms is when you begin, number one, quality japa, number two, increasing the job, increasing the number of rounds. Now that's renunciation. When you start chanting 16, 32, 48, 64 on Ekadashi, you know you're on the right path to having some taste for Krishna consciousness. How much you read, how much you want to hear, how much you want to associate with devotees. But let's make no mistake here. We're not Bhajananandis. There are some devotees. I asked Bhaktivedya Purnaswami that question, that there are devotees in Islam who very naturally can sit and chant all day, every day. They don't fake it. They are renounced because they are attached to the process of bhakti. I said, how is this, how does that work? And he says, well, they've already done the work. Like we have Purva Sanskar. Not everybody joined Krishna consciousness with the same amount of luggage. Not everybody is Gopavrindeshwar. <laughs> Isn't it a fact? Not everybody has the same luggage. Some have a lot of luggage, some just have a little handbag. And you just toss it. <laughs> so, we measure according to the attachment to Krishna, but now what is the attachment to Krishna? One time Bhakti was asked that question in Michael in Bhagavatam class. what are the symptoms of pure devotional service? And he said, open temples, distribute books, and make devotees. These are the symptoms of pure devotional service. Not that I've secured a room at Radakun, and now I can just sit there peacefully and it's all about my bhakti. This is not Srila Prabhupada. This is not Srila Prabhupada. In old age, in old age, some devotees, 
Even now, if you go to Vrindavan and you go to Mayapur, devotees are busy doing service all the time. In addition to their service, like I know some Gurukul teachers who get up at 1.30 in the morning, they chant 64 rounds, and then they do service for 10 hours. That's being in the Dharma. That's proper detachment. But not that you know, you're being influenced by somebody who's already there, and then you think, I want to be like him, but you actually cannot. It's not helpful. It actually backfires. And we've seen this in the beginning of Krishna consciousness. I was reading recently some letters, 1969, when Prabhupada is writing, he says, because Prabhupada was invited to different places for lecturing in America, and he could only go to one place at a time. So he started sending his disciples. And then he says in one letter, I've decided to make some sannyasis so you can go and lecture in different universities. And I'm looking, 1969, the bodies have been in a movement for two years. <laughs> He's making sannyasis already. Nobody can do what Prabhupada did. Just like he told one sannyasi, I give you a ganda. If it doesn't work, find a nice lady for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, when Tamar Krishna Maharaj and distributors from me went to Hawaii to report to Prabhupada on their research about what it takes to go to China, they turned up in suit and tie. And Prabhupada said, oh, where are you going? Where are we going to China? And Prabhupada read the report. This is what the Chinese are doing. This is the political situation. This is the lifestyle. No, no, don't go. Not now. It's not the time. And then he looked at them and he said, you realize that some of you will not make it. And he was referring to Sanyasi disciples. He said, some of you will not make it. He said, generals in the front line risk their lives. And they may fall. And he said, they will fall. So, detachment from material life, it takes a lot of thinking and a lot of praying and to really surrender to the pure devotees so we can get the mercy to proceed according to the circumstances and when the time is right. That's why we have a spiritual master. We don't go to the spiritual master to ask, should I take this mortgage or should I keep going to university? Don't bother the guru with these kind of questions. You work this out with your wife. Go to the guru and say, what's my next step, Guru Maharaj? I've been chanting for so many years. I'm doing that kind of service. I feel I should study more. Then you get the blessing. Go ahead. You can do this, you've got my blessing. Then it works. And not just the Guru's mercy, but all the Vaishnava's mercy. You go to the devotees, what do you think? What do you think I should do? According to the way they know you, they'll tell you, don't go down that path, go down that path. Then you have a blessing, you have a support, and you will succeed. And if you have difficulty, we'll be there to help you. Otherwise, childbirth. It's painful, and we forget, and we do it again, and we forget. 
The best example, Bhaktivinotaka. 14 children. 14. One with the first wife, 13 with Bhagwati. And if you look at his autobiography, which he wrote as a letter to his son, Lalit Prashad, this man, practically speaking, moved house every month, if not every two weeks. He was on the move constantly. And then every time he writes, finally we found the best place, we're going to settle down. Two weeks later, boom, he's gone somewhere else. He moved constantly. And as he was moving because of his work as a magistrate, he was having one child after another. And he was cultivating bhakti. And he was going through his own personal shortcomings, which you could refer to as pastimes, to go from non-veg to veg, to go from worshipping Kali to worshipping Lord Chaitanya. I mean, he went through it and he wrote it down so we can follow and see. That's how he did it, that's how I can do it. And it's only at the very end of his life that he really renounced everything. And even in his renunciation, he kept writing books for us to understand and to be educated. Hare Krishna. <coughs> Do you normally finish at that time? Yeah. Thank you. Any yes. Uh, thank you, Pastor Thank you and your wife for preaching what you're doing in China. As far as your preaching, uh, very inspiring how you were saying about the wife is more inclined towards devotional service. And the, the, the husband will come along eventually. There's the question before Yes. So the husband may not, and this is the key thing, and probably I mentioned that this is before also. The key thing is sex time. So we may be able to get different pots so you cook your food over there you can read in your own spare time and you can chant. But the husband may require sex. Yes. What's the situation as far as she is concerned? And initiation and following the principles. Well, I've done my research. <laughs> and the research basically is to ask maybe delegates to do nothing. She's done enough seminars. But I mean, the way I did my research is first with the devotees who are facing that challenge. And oftentimes, you know, devotees don't like to speak up. You know, they're a bit embarrassed. Or they'll be like, oh, no, no, no. You sleep here, I sleep there. It's over. <laughs> and the husband is like, what happened to my wife? So there is, you know, inquiring from the devotees. I won't become it. But then I also ask, I would say about 10 different initiating gurus. I mean, I put the question straight to them. <laughs> and it's interesting the response that you get. Also, we were working for some time for about a year and a half with, um, what's it called? The grass. Uh, 
Huh? Yeah, the Grass Division team. We had a lot of exchanges with them. And if you go to their website, you'll find a lot of interesting material. Especially from uh, Matsya Avatar Prabhu, who is an initiating guru in Italy and, and deals with that. And he explains how he deals with that. He, he wrote a very nice article. But some gurus say, well, what can be done? <laughs> you get one kind of response. Others will say, what do you expect? They come to me, they are 25 years old, 30 years old, they want initiation, what do you think? They're going to become sannyasis overnight? No. And Matsyavatapuru makes the same point. He said, you know, you've got the raging passion at the beginning, which you cannot do without, unless you're a complete fanatic, and ultimately it means separation. He said, you have the process of bhakti and you work through it. And at some point in your life, sooner rather than later, it will be a natural thing that husband and wife will have more of a taste for sadhana and for serving Krishna than the taste for intimacy. Now, that's in the case of husband and wife in Krishna consciousness. Now, your question is about she's a devotee and he is not. And he has expectation. Okay, I won't smoke anymore. I can do that, even though I'll smoke outside. I won't drink anymore, but I'll drink outside. They all do this. And I'll have my chicken, and you'll have your, what? Potato, broccoli, and tofu? Right? So you've got your thing, I've got my thing. But the double bed, I'm not giving that up. And ladies will come forward and they will openly say, it's very, very difficult. What should I do? And as a matter of fact, why China all over the world? Is it any different in India? Is it any different in Europe or in South America? No, it's not. You know, that's why you've got the Bhagavatam. Otherwise, everybody would be a pure devotee. That detachment takes time. Now, there are some keys where there is mutual respect, like I mentioned before, and support. If the wife, because in most cases in China, it's the wife who becomes a devotee. If the wife, if the husband sees that the wife I thought at the beginning that she's completely crazy, that she's being brainwashed by a dangerous cult. But she's been doing that thing for the last three or four years now. She's not giving up. She's still offering her food, she's still chanting, she's still reading the books, she still goes and spends time with her friend, but she's still at home, she's still raising kids nicely, she still cooks for me. She's normal. So then I'll come halfway. And the husband may want to make an effort to reduce the intimacy, to be closer. Like one, one mother told me recently, she goes, I mean, she's been married for like 30 years, you know, a nice man, a husband. She's a former Communist Party leader. 
and now she's a full-time devotee. But we never see her husband. And finally, she sent me photos of her with her husband. And she says, you know, we used to go to the park and hold hands. But it's Maya. I said, no, it's not. Really? So they go to the park. They hold hands again. They're like 55, 60 years old, right? And because she does that, a week later she goes, guess what? My husband bought flowers for the deities. He bought me a new pot. And he really, really likes what I'm doing. So it's all a question of attitude. Either you're completely closed off and you're a fanatic, or you have to make the sacrifice. You have to come halfway. You have to understand, it's not my time now. I'm not going to what I could now. I'm only 45, I'm only 50. Maybe when I'm 70, by Krishna's mercy, I'll be able to chant peacefully. Maybe my husband will pass away before me. My children will get married. Then I'll be peaceful. Then my desires will go away. It, it's all, you know, it takes time. And it's not a uh, one fits all. Every person is an individual specific case. You can't talk to 30 people in the room and say, that's the way you do it. You know, why do you think that, you know, you may have 400 devotees in the Chopari temple and they have 400 mentors. Each devotee's got a mentor. So that they are, they get support. They know what to do, what directions to take. Understand? Every person is a separate case. You can't generalize this. Does that help? Anything else? Yes, there is. I want to share an interesting little episode in this connection. How hard is it to put a and he said that. Well, yeah. the, the, the Canadian with oh, I don't know if I want to have it or it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you can give the mic. I'm loud. Are you talking about the Canadian with I actually have never met him, and he sent me the story once. But not the Calcutta with Tamashloka. Yeah, Prabhupada. Yeah. So he tells the story when Prabhupada was in Mayapur. One Manaji, one disciple of his, she separated from her husband. So then Prabhupada asked her, so why did you leave her and your husband? So she said, because he, he is a Maya, he always wanted to have sex. And then Prabhupada's amazing um, comment is, he says, and you cannot satisfy it. That yeah. was Prabhupada's reaction. Yeah. And you cannot satisfy it. <laughs> but of course, we, we don't want to take this to the other of extreme of to just give a license for yeah. unrestricted yeah. sex life or something. But obviously, it is a husband and wife team effort. And both have to give each other shelter. And both have to try their best to minimize it. Because otherwise, if she doesn't give shelter, then she's pushing him outside of him. Yes. And that's, that's sinful. You know? Apparently, I have not 
found a quote to this, but um, Prabhupada apparently also said sex life within marriage is not sinful, but it's also not helpful for spiritual progress. Correct. But it's not sinful. Correct. But I could not find any quote on that. Well, there are many quotes where Prabhupada says sex within marriage is okay in Krishna consciousness, but then he adds procreation of children. I mean, you know, it's like splitting the hair between licit and illicit. You know, anything which fosters natural enjoyment is illicit, per se. Anything which is not related to Krishna is sinful, because sinful activities force you to take birth again. Devotional service brings you back to Krishna. So it's not a, just a Christian concept. You know, you burn down to hell through eternity. <laughs> Everybody who is not Krishna conscious is by definition sinful. Done? Anything else? Householders are quiet, hopeful. <laughs> You know, we are, we are, I'll take five more minutes because I think it's very important. We have a first generation. We have a first generation of Prabhupada disciples that are, practically speaking, on their way out. Practically speaking, every week there's another one that's leaving their bodies which means that within five years to ten years at most, they're all gone, right? They're all gone. And now the next generation has to push this movement forward. If you don't have what it takes to stand up and be a first-class example, like I said at the beginning of this class, when people joined Krishna consciousness in the 60s and the 70s, they all took sannyas. Women, children, men sleeping on the floor, working all day, distributing books, collecting money, doing deity worship, everybody was absolutely on the same level. And they were damaged as a consequence of that. But those who have sacrificed for Prabhupada, they have their tickets. I highly recommend, like I told Bhaktapur the other day, we in Mayapur in lockdown, I watched every single one of the remembering Srila Prabhupada. The videos? I mean, you want to be educated, <laughs> watch these videos. There's 90 or 95 of them, and they're still recording and interviewing devotees. But my point is, this is an opportunity for devotees now to really grasp you know, the pioneer, I mean, we're still in the pioneer stage, but we are in the second phase now, which is building the bridge for a succession of the future of Iskand once there are no more Prabhupada disciples on this planet. And the challenge to represent Prabhupada's teaching and the culture of Krishna consciousness to the world, and we can't fake it. We can't be artificial about it. We can't be artificially detached. We can't be artificially renounced. Because it will look really bad to the mainstream society. Why is that? Because 
as material energy is squeezing people as it is doing today, the more people are squeezed with material challenges and suffering, the more they're looking for an alternative. And if we are not there to say, come here, welcome. So to welcome people, it's easy. But if you are not a proper example, then you misguide them. So it doesn't matter if you still have material desires, at least you are real. You recognize, I'm attached to this, I'm attached to this, but I'm working on it. And when people come to you, they say, this person is honest. This person is not a fake renunciant. I believe in this person, and I'm going to follow that person. And that's not just the duty of one spiritual leader. That's every householder. We have our sannyasis, and now there are many young sannyasis who are taking up the flag to guide the Vaishnava community. But the, the, the bulk of it is the Krishna consciousness of the householders. This is where Krishna consciousness has become. The sannyasis, they give the classes, they give the blessings, but the householders have to do the hard work. And that hard work cannot be faked. It has to be real. I cannot be home telling my wife that now I am a renounced person and this is how things are going to be. Hey, we got a five-year-old and a ten-year-old. What are you going to do about that? Nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not leading. That's misleading. When a sannyasi comes to your home to give a lecture, be very careful how you hear those words. The sannyasi is not calling you to pull you out of your house and throw you into a sannyas ashram. The sannyasi is there to teach you proper detachment by engaging you in Krishna consciousness, not forcing you out of family life. Unless it's a really, like Prabhupada, right? He started dreaming. My guru is calling me. He was petrified, even though he already left his family. But mind you, if you read Harisari Prabhu's latest book, which is an absolute page-turner, it's upstairs, back to Vrindavan. It's hour by hour diary of Prabhupada's last month. And still Prabhupada, when he could not even move, he still gave instruction for money to be given to his family. To the last breath, he was responsible. This is very, very important to understand if we want to make it all the way. And for Krishna consciousness to stand out as a very responsible and healthful movement when materialistic society is collapsing by the day. That's why we need farm communities. I mean, if you see what's going on in China, people <laughs> don't, their fridge are empty. It will happen at some point. The cities will be empty, Prabhupada predicted it. People will go to the country. And he said, the body should be ready with vegetables to feed the masses. That's proper detachment. Not, you know, I'm moving to the Holy Dam and I'm going to chant 64 rounds and goodbye the world. Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai.